Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this week are Eric Devin and Philip Bargio. With the winter window shut, things can calm back down a little as teams settle in for the long stretch to the end of the season. With European football returning on the horizon, who's in a giving mood this Valentine's Day and who is eating ice cream straight from the tub? More on the weekend's action and less of my plans for the 14th of February after the latest headlines. Paris Saint-Germain played a strong side in Ligue 1 on Friday night, not wanting to drop points ahead of Monaco and Nice playing later in the week. And Unai Emery's, men bold, uh, Unai Emery's sorry, bold decision was handsomely rewarded as Edson Cavani's brace led the way in a 3-0 win at Bordeaux. Saturday's afternoon kickoff saw Gangomp defeat Leo for the uh, sorry Leon apologies for the third time this season 2-1 with Nicola Benaze notching a goal and an assist in his first start of the campaign. In the multiplex, Toulouse continued their fine form with Andy Delore and Martin Braithwaite once again on the score sheet in a 4-1 win home win over Bastia, who finished with nine men. Dijon won at home to Caen 2-0. That moves them ahead of the Normandy side and out of the bottom three. While Angers defeated Lille at the Stade Pierre Moroy. Les Avignes likewise moving ahead of the suddenly relegation-threatened Doug. In the, it was, sorry, it was lather, rinse, repeat for uh, the Stade Louis Deux as Monaco, led by a Kylian Mbappé hat-trick, waxed Mets 5-0, while Montpellier recorded their first road win of the season, 3-0, at Nancy, with the winter signing Isaac Mbenza notching a double. Sunday's early match saw Nice earn a draw at Rennes, coming back from two goals down to draw two all. Valentin Esserick with a goal and an assist for the visitors. And Saint-Étienne warmed up for their trip to Manchester by thumping hapless Lorient 4-0 at home. While not lodged at perhaps the shock result of a free-scoring weekend, scoring three goals for the first time in the league this season to hold off Marseille at the Stade Beaujois 3-2. In injury news, Monaco's Gabriel Boschilia could have his season over already after suffering ligament damage against Mets, or Bafatimi Gomis could miss up to a month with his own knee issue after coming off against Le Canary. And in Ligue 2, Brest lost away to Auxerre, but they still sit four points clear of Amiens at the top of the table. And that's all for the news. But remember, for all the latest, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with Paris Saint-Germain, who had a who have a big week ahead of them, but they had a big week last week as well. However, before we talk about their European exploits to come, they overcame a rising Bordeaux side in emphatic fashion on Friday, Philip. Uh, do PSG look like they're finally hitting their stride with a with a more comfortable victory? Well, things are quite um, improving. We saw that they uh, treated that game with a much more respect than they did last week's game at Dijon. Uh, they won at Dijon 3-1 last week. Um, this was uh, obviously played on the Friday evening because the game is uh, the game is tomorrow, so you know recuperation time and all that. Cavani has been uh, has been very good. Di Maria has been um, has been better. Um, feeling the um, competition that's a word from uh, from Julian uh, Julian Draxler. And uh, yes, yeah, the, the the performance was uh, was much better. Was much more serious. I don't know if it was because Bordeaux. 
um, uh, just uh, transcend four nil, or because it's a it's a bigger it's a bigger game, it's a bigger club, bigger history, bigger history between the two sides. Um, but uh, yeah, much more, much more professional, and uh, very much um, the uh, performance that said, we want to get this one out of the way so you can focus um, about about Barcelona. That's not uh, much more, uh, much more to say really. I mean, both sides playing in their usual formations, so games were well taken. You know, it's uh, it really was about uh, good preparation for for tomorrow evening. Yeah, and they really hit their stride early on in this one, Eric. And Cavani scored two really nice finishes to say that he's been uh, rather erratic this season in some forms. Is is that showing the 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 kind of striker he can be when he's really focused and, and really takes his chances with a plum like he did? Yeah, I mean that first goal especially. That was, I mean, in our review column, I had that as my goal of the week. Uh, yeah, they they look great. Uh, I think you know even Thiago Mata, despite his customary booking, looked really good. Um, you know, I, I, it does appear that uh, Thiago Silva will be out for tomorrow. Uh, that's just come through. Uh, I'm not sure how you feel about that, Philip, but he, he did not. It looks confirmed. I mean, it looks. Yes. Uh, yeah. keep up pretty pretty certain about it. Yeah, jo- uh, Jonathan Johnson's reported that that's been confirmed yeah. by the club now. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I mean, I mean, along with that though, I do think that um, that might not be the worst thing in the world. Uh, looking forward, you know, I think that. Seeing Marquinhos and Kempembe play together for, you know, they haven't played together all that much this season, um, but seeing that they can be a capable defensive partnership, I think, shouldn't be undersold either. Um, let's face it, they may not have, neither of them may have the aerial ability that Silva has, but in terms of mobility and an ability to stay with players, I think that's that could be really important against Barcelona. And I think to have a clean sheet against the Bordeaux side that were in form, this is their first loss in the league in 2017, um, they that's going to boost their confidence, and likewise in defense. I, I think Bordeaux had only scored, only conceded two goals in their last six in the league before this. Uh, they had been solid defensively playing this this revamp four three three, and to get three goals and to get them, you know, early enough to allow Verratti and Cavani and Maria to come off, I think is also important. I, I think this is just really the ultimate in, in confidence boosting because this match had trap written all over it. I think. When these two teams played in the Coupe de la Ligue semi-final last month, um, Bordeaux had really started the game. Uh, the crowd were amped up. It was a, a tough, a tough, uh, tough to overcome. They had the attendance was thirty-seven thousand. It looks like here. Uh, so you know the the mood was packed out. It was uh, they were they were well up for this a Friday night. You've got the champions coming to town. You know even if they're distracted, a win against PSG that can really be a huge confidence booster for Bordeaux to, to, to look at that going forward. So they were ready to play, but PSG swatted them aside, you know, as easily as they would, you know, any team in the bottom half of the table. Well, Bordeaux, aren't, Bordeaux aren't that. They were on form and they have a lot of promising young players. But yeah. I think this is, in a lot of ways, you might argue that maybe aside from that, that first match against Arsenal, that this is PSG's best performance of the season. Uh, coming as it, as it does when it has, you know, getting Berardi back in, into form and and back into fitness, Di Maria and Mora are, are playing well. It's, it was really impressive. Yeah, I, I don't think I can, I don't think I'd have really hoped for more uh, ahead of you know, what will be their biggest match to date. Yeah, and I did, I did want to mention the one of the players you've mentioned there, Eric, and that's Angel Di Maria, who's really improved since the week, winter break, Philip, and almost the signing of Dracula's calls created two players rather than one. How have you thought about his improvement in the last couple of weeks? And he, he really scored an excellent goal and really played a good game again against Bordeaux. 
Yeah, so uh, his whole week actually was um, was quite good. Against against Leeds, Draxler was quite uh, quite poor, I thought. Um, and um, you had uh, another player, yeah, Lucas, um, who um, who uh, well was his uh, his usual usual sales this um, uh, this time. But the important thing was uh, that uh, Di Maria was um, against he was playing on the right, and he he really didn't hesitate to go and get the ball. I mean, that this is a, that kind of thirst that uh, was present in the first half of last season, which uh, basically made him the uh, the player of the season, even though he didn't have a great second half of of the season. But uh, this 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 kind of of um, willingness to to get the ball and get uh, get inside. Um, however, well, there's going to be a debate of uh, who we are. We are going to have to start on uh, Tuesday, well, tomorrow. Uh, is it going to? I think I think Lucas is a bit set in stone. He's been one of our one of our best players, um, and would be between Draxler, Draxler, and Di Maria. So to get the ball rolling, I would I would personally go go for for Di Maria. Um, for uh, sorry, uh, for for Draxler, with uh, the new um, the new boy uh, new boy impact. Even though Dimir does have the the experience, um, I do believe his best position is when he's on the right wing, when he's kind of cutting in from the right wing, then using his left foot, be it for a pass or or a, a shot. Um, and I think I think Lucas is just better at that uh, that kind of stuff. But uh, no doubt. If Dimu, if uh, Unai does decide to put Dimir on the bench, there's uh, really no doubt about um, however the game goes, and uh, the the omens are that they'll probably um, go go bad. Is that Dimir will be will will play a part? I mean, he will he will come on. I'm not sure how soon, but uh, he will come on. That's for sure. So, I had a question for you, uh, yeah, Nathan. I don't, I don't know. I didn't see this in the script, so hopefully I'm not stepping mm -hmm. your toes here. But uh, Mounier or Aurier for you, Philip? I go for Munier. Yeah, I go. I go for Munier. Uh, to be honest, right back is not the the, um, the position I'm uh, I'm uh, the most worried about. It's actually on the on the other flank. But I think I think Munier is uh, is actually quite solid. Um, uh, quite solid at the back. Um, seems a bit less erratic. And let's face it, I still I'm still pretty mad at all year for what he did against Manchester City. <laughs> That's pretty much that. That's uh, that's pretty much my my very very valid uh, reasons for picking picking Munier. And uh, of course, uh, going going forward, he is quite uh, he is quite good. Not not the same, you know. Doesn't offer the same um, the same thing as uh, Oi when he goes forward. Was Oi all um, all about uh, all about power and stuff? But uh, he um, to to me is not as good as last season. Munier does bring does bring something, and uh, he has those experience of scoring some quite wonderful goals in the Champions League, which is uh, pretty cool. So, since we're focusing really on the Champions League game coming up on tomorrow night, Let's. Eric, um, yeah. <laughs> Eric, um, what what do you think then is is PSG's mindset heading into this one? Obviously, they're at home at the Parc de Princes. Obviously, it's so tough to get a result at the camp now. Everyone knows that. So, is is it maybe a, a chance for Unai Emery to really go for this, this kind of game, or do you have a little bit of conservatism of doing that against such a talented attacking team? No, I don't. I don't think there's any room for conservatism. I think you know he started midfield with Matuidi, Rabio, and Verratti, uh, and no Thiago Mata. You've got three players that can all get forward and join the attack in that in that central area. Uh, you've got Kurzawa, hopefully again on the flank, as opposed to Maxwell. Uh, he's got that directness and pace that can really you know pin them back. They're going to be starting Sergio Roberto, who's not necessarily a. a, a Die in the wool right back. I mean, he's 
appeared capable at times this season, appeared culpable at others. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think an attacking prerogative is, is going to be the way forward because any – I mean, we're, for PSG, if they really want to progress, you know, a clean sheet would be nice. But I think a win is going to be more important. Because I, I think mm. to, to I think to get a win uh, in Barcelona, I, I just don't think is is a realistic possibility. I know that Barcelona are a bit hit by injuries, but I still would argue that they have their first choice eleven. Um, and to have a, a to have a good result at, at the at at uh, the Parc des Princes is going to be imperative if they want to win this tie. Because if they don't get a quality result tomorrow night with their first choice 11 with PSG's first choice 11. I think that the mental damage that will, that will do to the team, uh, especially after playing so well on Friday, uh, it might be really hard to come back from, uh, you know, PSG had been a little bit uneven against better opposition in the league and in champions league as well. Uh, in the recent, you know, it's two months or so the draw against Nice, the draw against Monaco that uh, I think they really, really need to, to show that they can to win this tie, they, they need to show uh, a good attack, a good fourth rate attacking performance. If they if they have any, if they were to have any hope, I'm not saying it's likely, I'm, but I'm saying that's what they need to do. Um, they're only missing two players at Barcelona, aren't they? Mascherano and Aldachuan. Is that right? Who wouldn't start anyway? Yeah, really? Yeah, they, they wow. wouldn't start. No, MTT and PK are definitely the first choice pairing. Mm. MTT hasn't played as many matches as he's been injured. I, right. you know, as a as a Leon fan, I definitely have followed his progress, and he's done really well from everything I can tell. I've seen him play six or seven times for Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, Finnish football is probably the league I watch the most of, aside from French. And yeah, I, I think that uh, yeah, Mascherano, you know, doesn't have the mobility that that MTT has, and I think that that dynamism coming out of the back. No, I, really I actually agree with that. But uh, I mean, to to me, Mascherano is not a centre back. First of all, so that. Basically, <laughs> makes Umtiti's a better, there's a better centre back anyway. But I seem to have um, to have uh, watched a game against, uh, I think it was against Betis, where Barcelona were absolutely horrible. And, they were. Um, <laughs> wasn't it? They no, they were. That that, that yeah. match was not not uh, season highlight for them. Right, and um, and it was Umtiti and Piquet. Um, uh, was it Piquet? Uh, probably. At the back, and Mascherano was uh, was the defence shoulder. He was doing actually a very good job. He was probably the one of the one of the best players for for Barcelona. But again, it was uh, you know it wasn't their best day, the best day out. So um, I, yeah, I do I do agree that if everyone is fit, uh, Mascherano would be would be on the bench. And I honestly don't remember. I just I just don't see. I don't watch uh, Spanish football as much as you do, Eric. But uh, I just don't see Alatuan as um, on on the score sheet or as as a pass. I mean is. I don't even know how to describe his Barcelona career. I mean, um, when he's playing with so much uh, quality around him, I mean, is is um, is he uh, able to exist amongst all those all those star players? So I'm not so I'm I'm not really surprised when you say he wouldn't be starting anyway because I, I just don't think he's good enough to dislodge um, whoever. Um, Neymar. Whoever's, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, no, I don't think he's good enough to. <laughs> Yeah, he's quality cover, isn't he? Really, more than anything, Arda Turan. He's. A, I wouldn't mind him on my subs bench, to be fair. No, I but, mean he's uh, done well when he's played this season. I mean, yeah. playing cup right. matches and 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 in rotation. Uh, but no, I mean he's not not that level. He did play in central midfield in that game. I'm actually looking back at, at that match. I I watched it, but I don't really remember it that well. And uh, yeah, and the, yeah. the centre back pairing was uh, PK and, and Matthew, not not uh, MTT. It was MTT. Okay. 
Right. And, and I do remember really... Mascherano having a, a rather solid game, and uh, Barcelona probably would have uh, gone to pieces without without his um, his uh, with uh, defense shielding um, abilities, which is basically what he does best in in my opinion. Uh, just to really bookend this this talk about the Champions League game tomorrow, Unai Emery really he obviously mm. came from Sevilla, so he knows a little bit about the Barcelona team he's facing. But this is the kind of game that Paris Saint Germain have brought him in for. How important is it that he gets some kind of result in this one, Philip? It's massive for him, but uh, I think uh, not, not many people are under any illusions at all, especially now that Thiago Silva is injured. And I do agree with Eric that this is almost well, some kind of blessing in disguise because uh, he has had some uh, very, very strange... He has made some very strange uh, decisions and committed some some fouls. You just wouldn't expect Thiago Silva to to commit. So having Marquinhos and Kimpembe, you know, it's not uh, it's not that bad a centre back pairing. But uh, the problem is you've got uh, those three monsters uh, up front: Messi, Neymar, and Suarez. Um, and uh, more more than that, you've got Iniesta in in midfield, capable to pick out a pass and uh, and still to now that Xavi has retired, probably the best passer in, of the ball in in world football. So I'm not I'm not even sure people will actually um, uh, criticise uh, Unai too much for not making it past Barcelona because of um, because of the change of the change of personnel and uh, how the um, how the squad is uh, is needed to is needed to to rebuild. I mean, we we definitely needed first of all to get um, the top spot against Arsenal. That's something we should have done. We didn't. So you know that's uh, basically our own fault for not beating a, uh, a Bulgarian side who were not that bad actually. Um, and um, you know, I mean, is 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 there any is there any optimism really? I mean, I I, I certainly don't have much. I mean, I, I would have her. Uh, would uh, Iniesta not be playing, or or one of the one of the front uh, one of the front three? But uh, you know, uh, I I just don't see many many PSG fans realistically seeing uh, thinking uh, we can we can get past Barcelona, unfortunately. Eric, what do you think on this? I mean, I mentioned that Unai Emery has obviously been brought in for Champions League football and improving their results in Europe, but they've also set a, a poor precedent in the sense that they sacked Laurent Blanc, obviously, for getting to the quarterfinals and winning every cup, and they're only second in the league and going out at the round of 16. Yes, it's to Barcelona, but it does put a little bit of pressure on this game a little bit more than you might expect, even with facing a, a strong side like Barcelona, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I believe that I am. I am. I don't think I, I don't necessarily agree with Bob. I think I have cautious optimism on this. Barcelona have been fairly uneven over the past few weeks. I know they had a big result this weekend, uh, but you know they've shown they could be got at. Um, you know they and they've shown that they can be ill disciplined as well. I'm thinking about the two Copa del Rey matches against Atletico Madrid and Atletico. You know, obviously they have a reputation, but they haven't been to the usual standard this this year. And I think anybody who watches Spanish football would, wouldn't disagree with that. Mm. Uh, and I think that you, there's there's a chance, you know. Barcelona haven't been as imperious as they have been. I mean, Arda's been down to injuries, and yes, has missed quite a bit of time. Um, Titi as well. The right-back situation's been you know, hit and miss with, with Vidal and, and Sergio Roberto, both missing periods of time. But I, I, I do think that Barcelona, they're not there for the taking, but if PSG play to their the best of their capabilities, you know, at a level uh, ex at or exceeding 
what they what they showed on against Bordeaux. I know Bordeaux were nowhere near the quality of Barcelona, but that style, that verb, that directness, um, that swagger, that confidence that PSG display when they're at their very best, that's been missing a lot of times since Ibrahimovic left uh, as, as a sort of emotional fulcrum for the team. But I think that there there's, seems to be sort of a, a coming together in terms of the team's confidence as of late. And, you know, going to tough situations, going to Bordeaux twice and winning by wide margins, and both in the Capilli semifinal on Friday, um, you know, that, that, that they've shown that they, they have that in their, in their locker now. I don't think they really showed that at any occasion in the first, the first four months of the season. I, I think that's starting to change. I know there have been blips. I think the draw against Monaco certainly counts in that category, but I think that there's a real possibility they could get something here. I'd say maybe a 2-1 win if I had to, if I had to pr- have an optimistic prediction. Betting, I'd probably say 2-2 draw. But I, I, don't think that, I, I don't think they'll be out of the tie. Um, by the time the final whistle blows tomorrow evening. Mm. It, it's going to be a very, very interesting night tomorrow night. It's, it's definitely one of those European ties again that will have many fans watering at the mouth, I think. There's, there's a poll on, on Lee Keeps. Uh, what's your what's your prediction for Peugeot Barcelona? Uh, Peugeot wins 34% or 21%. Um, Barcelona victory, 45%. I'm going to mm-hmm. say I'm edging towards a Barcelona victory. Probably not trouncing, maybe because well, I haven't watched them that often. But uh, I, I have read, and I do, I do agree that uh, m- most of the time I don't find Barcelona absolutely unplayable, like uh, they they used to be. But I still think uh, for for the winners, and I I gave um, beforehand. So Iniesta on the front three is just uh, going to be far too hard to to contain them. Um, I mean, I'm sure we're going to score against them. Of that, I have very little doubt. But will it be enough? I just don't think so. Mm. Yeah, and that's the problem. If you allow Barcelona yeah, that, that away goal lead, it's so difficult to get a result back in back at the Catalan Giants. It's such mm. a tough ground to go to. Um, we'll move on to another team looking forward to midweek action, and that's Saint-Étienne, who travelled to Old Trafford on Thursday night. But, Eric, they prepared for this one with a strong 4-0 win against Lorient that went tradition, untraditionally well for a low-scoring side. And But was it a case of... Saint-Étienne being excellent, or was it a case of Lorient being uh, middling at best? I would say probably more of the latter. I mean, Lorient have been really poor defensively this season. Uh, under Cassoni, they've shown a great willingness to get forward and, and, and to be dynamic in attack and to score goals. And I think we've talked about this in the program before. We talked about, oh, Lorient have these weapons. They have Wadis, they have Mukanjo. Um, you know, they have the players they brought in. Who could you know maybe improve things? Wakaso looks looks a decent enough signing, um, but they they're so poor at the back. They're so poor defensively, and I think that much as PSG had set a strong set out a strong team and try to make a mark uh, in this in on Friday, uh, you know, since did the same thing against Lorient, and 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 playing with more of a willingness to get forward, more of a willingness to attack than. We're used to seeing from uh, Christophe Galtier's teams uh, playing this new look 4-3-3, I'm not sure what you really want to call it. Um, I think that we saw a team who, you know, have a high degree of confidence and, and can really take heart in, in being, you know, a team on the pitch. I think that this is probably the same team that they're going to play. I, I wish... 
Oh, I don't, do either of you know whether Jorginho is cup tied? I was going to ask you. Good question. <laughs> I know. I know that Aruka were in the qualifying rounds of the Europa League. I'm not sure if they got into the group stage. So I'm talking. I will search. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I, I think that playing this new look four two three one four three three hybrid with Hamuma as a false nine uh, has definitely yielded some positive dividends. And I think that we can, I think that we can really look forward to seeing you know seeing his seeing Hamuma's dynamism up front and seeing how he can. Uh, play in the likes of Jorginho and Mane Peke cutting inside. Uh, Henri Saive, if he plays in that role, or maybe Vincent Pajo or Jordan Veretout. Uh, there's there's a real there's a real drive to Saint Etienne to be positive in attack, and we've seen this when the attacks are down. Uh, we saw this against uh, Anderlecht that that three two comeback when they had in the final uh, group stage match to to top the group when you know the odds seemed against them down two 0 away from home they can't score goals et cetera et cetera. But to have that sort of confidence that they can pull out of their pocket, again, I'll continue the PSG analogy, you know, when they're on form, they can be really dangerous. And they're going to be difficult to score against. I mean, we don't want to argue that. I mean, Loic Perrin is, you know, one of the world's most underrated center backs, if you ask me. How he's not had more France caps is, you know, down to prejudices or whatever way it is. Uh, But Florentine Pogba had a strong match at left back as well. I think that he's not quite as dynamic a presence as say Sheikh and Benge is, but he's certainly a, a, an upgrade on the likes of Polama. And there's a, just a, a lot a lot of positives to take from this match. Again, you know, the quality of the opposition, there's definitely a big caveat there in terms of Lorenz's performances this season, particularly under Cassoni and being so open at the back. But um, are Saint Etienne going to care about that? No. They're going to care about, hey, we can score. We can take a match to someone. You know, let's go to Old Trafford. Let's get a one-one draw. Let's get it. Let's get a nil-nil draw. Reverse fixture next week. We can open things up. United have been shaky at the back at times. I know that they've improved to some degree uh, under under Van Hal vis-a-vis, or sorry, under Mourinho vis-a-vis Van Hal. But um, they can be got at, and and I think that that's going to really inspire a massive amount of confidence um, for for Lever, uh going into these this pair of matches against United. Yeah, and uh, just to mention, I've just checked up Jorginho. I remember Thiago mentioning this as well. He didn't start for Aruca until November, so he he's not played an enormous amount in Portugal. So he, I think he's not cup tied from the looks of things. I've been I've been looking at his appearances, and it does seem that he only played in the Portuguese Liga yeah. uh, since July. So it, I mean, he should get the green light. There's no reason he shouldn't be playing against um, uh, Manchester United. Yeah, and and talking about that very quickly for that game at the weekend, I really liked seeing Hamuma in that hole instead of trying to throw out a Rue or something like that to try and be a striking option. Yeah. I, really, I really liked him in that central area. I thought he played it's, really well. It's the first time he's done that as well. I mean, he hasn't mm. been um, he, he has been uh, playing, um, shall we say, uh, very very much misfiring centre forwards uh, against here, but uh, he never had. Well, Hamuma has been has been injured as well. But uh, he hasn't uh, tried that a lot, playing uh, uh, some some kind of a false nine. I mean, I don't know if uh, if Amuma was uh, was playing as a false nine the whole game, but um, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely something something new, and it seems seems to be that, that Saint Etienne have have uh, been pretty much uh, revigorated since um, since the uh, since the winter break, um, especially in in front of goal. It, one of these, uh, one of those teams that uh, really, you really felt that they needed this winter break to regroup, uh, so that the players got uh, got out of um, 
got back from injuries uh, that they get as they get a couple of players. Well, actually, they only got uh, Jorginho, but um, you know, um, and um, yeah, it looks uh, looks pretty good up front these days, which is good, which is uh, which is a very which is very good news. And you know, I do, I do, I do share this time <laughs> Eric's optimism for for this game. I think uh, I think there's um, there's something to be done there. Because Manchester United have had trouble scoring goals against um, against organised uh, defences, and uh, and and Saint-Étienne is one of the one of the most organised in in Europe. So it'll be it'll be tough for them to um, for Manchester United to score. I think. Yeah, and and quickly mentioning that on on themselves, I, I'm pretty sure every other Manchester United fan listening will agree with me that it's been pretty frustrating watching the amount of chances we create against these teams that put blockades of defences and we can't seem to stick them away. I mean, mm. there's up to 20 shots in some games and uh, six or seven on target. Keepers are playing terrific football. Defences are getting blocks in. We're, we're really struggling to finish off chances. We've missed about, I think Man United have missed at least, I think Matter himself has missed two of them, but about three goals where he's literally uh, in front of the goal. Uh, you can't, it almost seems harder to miss than score and it's happened at least three times this season. So, it, with against a team like Santa Team, where we've mentioned every single time they've played, they're a terrific, terrific defensive team. They really are solid, even without Ruffier in net, who's obviously been injured recently. I think um, is it Mulan has been the standing, hasn't it? Jeremy Mulan, he's been very good as well. Yeah, he's been good. Really yeah, uh, Ruffier came back in yesterday. Uh, well, yeah. I thought it was still Mulan. I, I must have been watching it. They look quite similar from a distance. No, which she played yesterday. But uh, I, I was I was also quite uh, quite impressed on how Mulan was uh, had had improved because in the Europa League games, for instance, uh, I think it was against Anderlecht or or, or Mainz. Um, I, I don't know. Just didn't have the same same kind of presence, and uh, he looked uh, he looked um, he looked up for it. For instance, uh, in the derby. Um, well, granted, he had a great, great, uh, great back, uh, great defense in front of him. But uh, you know, it's uh, he, he seemed to have uh, gained in uh, gaining confidence, which is which is good. It, it means that uh, Saint Etienne uh, don't have to be over reliant on the Rufier. That's a that's a very good uh, that's a very good sign. Yeah. Um, did you? Um, I don't know. Don't know if you uh, if you caught this news. There was uh, this talk of uh, Manchester United limiting um, the amount of Saint Etienne fans at Old Trafford, which would be the visiting contingent, um, two thousand or something like that, maybe a bit more. I've um, not heard anything at, at this moment, anyway. Um, and uh, but anyways, there seems to be a whole a, a lot a lot of people are going to. Um, uh, going to Manchester anyway, even though they don't, uh, they don't have tickets. And uh, I think, I mean, I, I'm I'm speaking from experience. When I went to Manchester City with uh, with PSG, whereas that uh, the locals really couldn't care less about the Europa League. Um, I mean, are Manchester United treating this the same way? That'd be good. I I think surprisingly this season, I think Manchester United in all comp cup competitions have shown a willingness to really go for it. I think that. Although we've had not great results in the Europa League, we weren't great against Fenerbahce, in, in, especially in the away leg. We weren't great against Feyenoord in the away leg. But Ibrahimovic has started pretty much every single game in the Europa League, other than the, I think the second one. I think against uh, the, I think it was Zoya. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they, we've really the thing about Manchester United at the moment as well, especially in those forward areas, we've got so many players to fit in that are all quality when they're on their day that. 
it, that we try and fit them all in and fit them all into the games that we have because we're still in the Carling Cup. Um, that, that final's ne- uh, ne- a week on Sunday. We've got the FA Cup this upcoming weekend. We haven't got another Premier League game until uh, mid-March, I think, which is a little bit strange because there's the... I think there's the win. There's the uh, another international break in between it. Um, but you don't you don't play in the Premiership until mid March. Yeah, we've got a long break off. It's a straight because of FA Cup, Carling Cup. Uh, it's a strange one. So really? um, the derby won't be rescheduled. Uh, that will, that won't be rescheduled. The the report at the moment is that's going to be possibly even be between the final two games of the season in May. Um, <laughs> wow. That happen- yeah. <laughs> We've had that happen before, and it was against Man City as well, if I remember rightly. I, I think do. it was, I think it was their second title-winning season. I think that happened. So yeah, it's, that's not. It, it's a strange one. I think we also play. I think it's Tottenham and Arsenal. The two games either side of it as well. So that's going to be a fun right. running. But, um, but yeah, does, they, does the Metropolitan Police uh, usually uh, allow the derby to be played on a weekday? This is yeah, what I'm it, quite it, surprised with. It's been. I think it was last year. One of them was on a Monday. Um, okay. And it was on a Wednesday that year that I mentioned where we moved it all again. So, um, but I, I think they're taking it reasonably seriously. I mean, Pogba's played in quite a few of the Europa League games as well. Um, we don't tend to switch out the keeper either for it. So David De Gea has played re- fairly regularly. So mm. it's a Champions League place at the end of the day. I don't see why more teams take it. Well, more yes, seriously. yes, uh, yeah. And, and especially agree. how competitive that top end of the Premier League is. I mean, yes, there's only about two points between about five different teams at the moment, but. It's such an important thing to get a Champions League place because you don't get that from the cup competitions or anything like that. So, yeah, take it seriously. It's another piece of silverware. And personally, we've never won it. We've never won the UEFA Cup when it was that either. I'd quite like to win it. It'd be quite nice, I think. It's a good. I quite like okay. the competition. To be fair, I, I think it does okay. a good thing. So, but whether that's shared at the club, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a lot of games. Yes, yeah, that's the only a problem. lot. Yeah. <laughs> But they seem to be taking it pretty seriously. I, I always, I was, uh, I'm amazed at how uh, they both uh, put um, a two rounds of Europa League, while they, uh, which has played during the same time frame as a round of the Champions League. Mm. Of course, they're doing for, doing this for television, I know, but uh, you know, it's still very. Uh, yeah. So sorry. All about money. Your, quickly, what's your prediction on this kind of match? Then, are you expecting Saint Etienne to be? Really holding out for a for a possible goalless draw and taking them back to a tough game at the stad uh, the um, get, get back at home. Stadier, the yeah. Stadier, <laughs> Lange, uh, the Stade Guichard. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say probably a two-one United win with uh, perhaps if I'm being optimistic, Sente winning the reverse one 0 and going through an away goals. Something like that. I Philip, what what do you think? I'd go for one-one because uh, Manchester United do tend to never ever lose. I mean, I was—I'm quite surprised to see you haven't lost since November. Yeah, it's, which, it's, uh, given all the critics from Mourinho got, it seems you know, well, that's pretty good. You know, that's not yeah, bad. Are, but uh, so many draws at Old Trafford. The only—the only game we've lost since November was the two-one loss to Hull in the second leg of the Carling Cup. So yeah, yeah it's, that, that it's been a pretty really good count, one. does it? No, we won on aggregate anyway, so it didn't, really, it didn't matter. But yeah, the, it, I think it's going to be a really interesting one. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic because of Saint-Étienne's result in midweek, at least, against Nice, where they they didn't really look good at all against them, and, and they struggled against a quicker attack. And if we if Manchester United can play like that, which they showed at the weekend as well, they were really, really good against uh, 
excuse me, against Watford, they were really, yeah, really good. Yeah, Watford. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take. I will take anything at this moment. But but um, we'll move on to uh, I know Philip's favourite topic usually, which is relegation talk. And we've already mentioned Lorient's loss and their poor form and. The fight at the bottom is really as tight as ever as it has been this season. Uh, they're joined by Bastia, who are also on 22 points and without a win since mid-December. Caen sit in the relegation playoff place with uh, four points ahead of those two before a glut of four sides remain perilously above that dotted line on 27 points. Uh, Philip, how is the race to avoid the drop going as we enter the final third of the season? Well, before this game, I had made some kind of a decision saying uh, okay i've got uh, i've got these uh, i've got these three sides who should be ending in the bottom three because i uh, i went through the uh, final run in uh, even though they are still not 13 games to go which is quite you know long and um is win at lille basically balls everything up which was uh, i mean uh, to i was expecting lille to uh, to win this one i thought they were not too playing too bad at psg and uh, that it's uh, yeah extremely surprising surprising loss uh, especially to uh, to Angers, who haven't haven't been doing too well away from home so that changes everything uh, i'm still adamant that lorient are not too good to good go down but have the players that uh, are um, shall we say you know good um Good uh, in this in this final in the final third of the season. Um, I'm thinking I'm thinking about Mikel Siani and uh, amongst amongst other players. But you know if they keep defending like that, it does seem to be quite uh, difficult. I'm looking also at their away uh, away points. That looks absolutely horrendous. Uh, five uh, five points from um, from 13 games. That's uh, not a lot. Uh, Basti would be also uh, so yeah. I thought I thought Angers were going to go down. Bastia would be uh, the team I would say will be going down as well. The amount of red cards they have is absolutely horrendous as well. It's um, it's it's really really bad. Um, I I don't know. I don't see I don't see much uh, much happening. And I reckon that uh, they were on a good run, but uh, now they're they're they they're stuck in some kind of a rut. And uh, I just don't see that ending really. I I, um, I honestly believe that uh, maybe yeah maybe maybe even bottom and uh, the the side I I have as a as a potential um, uh, side finishing in a playoff is Caen who uh, I think as well had uh, have played some good stuff but uh, just uh, it's just not uh, happening at the moment lost uh, lost four nil at home to Bordeaux uh, last. Um, that was on Tuesday. That's a really, really uh, poor result, and uh, they lost at Dijon two nil. Uh, so basically, res- relegation six pointer. Um, and that was on uh, that was on Saturday. So yeah, there you have it. But so maybe maybe those the those, those three sides that are in the bottom three are not going to change. But then you've got Cole who have a game in hand. Basio have a game in hand. Uh, Mets uh, have those this uh, half. They have to finish against Lyon. Um, Nancy also have a game in hand and and, and not as well. Not were actually 17th before they went against Marseille last night, and now they're 12th. So that's, that just shows you how how tight it how tight it is. More pretty one at Nancy. They're seven points from the bottom and in 11th. It's just extremely extremely tight. So maybe some sides like uh, Metz or Nancy or even Dijon are going to get uh, pulled in. But to me. It, yeah, as a bottom three, I think they're, they're, they're facing a very tough task not to go down. But yeah. again, it'll change next week. 
I just wanted to highlight a really great stat I heard on uh, the league and review earlier about, but well, you mentioned Bastia's red cards and the leader of the way is Yannick Kauzak, the battling midfielder. He's had three red cards this season. He's had seven yeah. since 2013, late 2013. That's five more than any other player in Liga, uh, which is outstanding. <laughs> yeah, not, and I think, I think we do have quite, if you compare it to the Premiership, I think we have a fair bit of red cards. Um, not sure. Not sure if I can pull out the statistic before the end of the show, but yeah, we do tend to have a lot of red cards for uh, in in Liga. Um, as I as I browse through, through the results, you know, when you browse through the results, sometimes mm -hmm. they give you the red cards on or the penalties missed. Uh, it seems to be much more in Liga than in the Bundesliga or the Premiership, for instance. Yeah, I never know how much there would be, but I'd love to find out how much the clubs find Kawasaki over the years for the amount of red cards he's got. Not, not a lot, I would think. <laughs> you probably, you probably, you probably didn't pay anything. I mean, if it, if it was on my football manager save, I'd be he'd be out of pocket. I think he'd be out of the house. <laughs> they, yeah. they, Eric, what do you think to the bottom of the table? I mean, there's we mentioned Lorient already looked pretty terrible at the weekend. Bastier again in discipline as well as in different sort of fated them to be poor but again can't have been good in spells but have been pulled back into that drop zone as well what 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 are your thoughts i think you've got a couple he i think but i think i don't disagree with much of what philip said i, I do think that I, there are two massive massive matches this weekend and that's well not maybe even three but definitely con hosting leo uh con win that match there they go two points clear of leo with a match in hand uh, and, you know, if you've got uh, Nancy uh, drawing in Angers, uh, and you've got, say, Mets winning at, Mets winning or drawing at home against not, yeah, Mets have been in decent form except for this last weekend, uh, then you could see Lille in that playoff spot, and they would be uh, two points below uh, those, te those teams above them. Now, I, I think that, to me, is really the most interesting aspect of all of this, that we have Lille with this significant... Investment, uh, maybe not in this the window that just ended, but certainly going forward, the club hope to invest. But what if this club goes down? <laughs> I think that is, you know, a really, you know, that would be quite funny. Though. You know, Christian had, had mentioned uh, speaking with Adam and I about the topics to our editor, Christian, had spoken with Adam and I about the topics in the review, and he mentioned, oh, what about Leal? You know, I said, oh, well, whatever, they're mid table. Then I look. I say, well, actually, with that result for Nantes, they're not. They're they're six, they're they're seventeenth, and two of the teams below them have a game have a game in hand. Now, you know, Bastia and Lorient. I'm not saying they're cut loose yet. You know, Bastia are are tough at home. Lorient can score goals. Kind of been decent. It's entirely possible we'll go down. And that's that to me is an incredibly intriguing, uh, given that given you know what we're expecting from the Lopez ownership and what we're expecting going forward. I think that's that's something that definitely bears watching. I think you know one could even argue that Con Leal is the match of the weekend. I agree with this. It's just uh, the running is quite kind to uh, to Lille, though. I mean, uh, with all the games they 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 having to play, they've got uh, um, the the only game uh, pretty tough game they have is Monaco away on, on the penultimate day, which is uh, you know they're going to lose that one. Pretty much, but they do have uh, the last three games. Uh, home games are Gal Metz, Gagan, sorry, Gagan Metz, and not which you know, uh, it's a, it's a, 
they, uh, if they try, I see. I think they they'll they'll win. But again, yeah, it's just extremely possible. Yeah. It would be quite funny though, with all that money invested with a uh, with Cheka and Al Ghazi and uh, and so and um, and the like uh, being <laughs> investing and coming over from all over Europe for just to you know play in Ligue 2 would be quite uh, yeah. And it, I think their their entire season really has been summed up by Yves Bissouma on his on his debut, <laughs> who scores a goal and it's a it's a cracking strike. It's an absolutely wonderful goal. He then balloons a clearance that leads eventually to Faramadiadju crossing for Roman Thomas for the, what turns out to be the winner. And then he gets himself sent off <laughs> just before the end of the game. It's uh, calamitous to maybe say, and it, it maybe a mix of everything from Bissouma on his debut, but. Uh, a shame for the youngster. Is there anyone else, Philip? You think might be dragged in? Well, you, um, Eric, anyway, you were talking about three games. Lilcon was the first one. Oh yeah. Well, I mean that's that. That I think is the most intriguing in terms of okay. where, where it could leave Leo. But oh, Mets hosting not. I mean, you know, Mets. I, I mm. think aside from the weekend, had looked really good uh, for the most of the beginning of 2013. Diabate had been important. I know Nathan's mentioned that more than once. Uh, Renard Kohad playing as a number 10 has looked fairly strong as well. And then obviously Angers, Nancy as well. And I don't think that'll be a, a terribly exciting game given those two teams' reputations. No. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think if one of them wins and they're on 30 points, you know, if Nancy win, they're on 30 points with a match in hand. I, I think that they could start looking just about safe. I think we're probably looking at a 41 point potentially cutoff, um, depending on whether or not you include the playoff place in that. Mm. That that's a really intriguing one to prefer Angers and Nancy if if Nancy can pick up a win in that one and like you've mentioned Philip this is, there's a lot of games still to be played there's Mets with a game in hand Con have a game in hand Bastia have a game in hand because the suspended game in midweek as well there's just a, a glut of teams constantly toing and froing between the where they are because I mean if if, if Montpellier have been better last in the week but. They're only 29 points. The, the cutoff point is probably that we're Renar on 33 at the moment. There's just a lot of teams fighting for almost too few places, it feels like it sometimes. But we might see it slowly start to expand sooner rather than later. Yeah, and uh, um, yeah, I do, I do reckon Toulouse are safe now. <laughs> yes. Which, <you> know, <laughs> yeah. With three points, I would, I would say that. Yeah, and, and I, I'm for me personally, I'm worried about both Laurent and Bastia. I think that I know it's a four-point gap, but I'm starting to see signs of them not quite picking up where they need to be at this point in the season. And I, I'm especially Laurent, they were awful against Santetti, and I, I really fear for them now. Um, but we'll we'll move on to you know, not really a lighter topic at, at all. But the two Olympique sides who are in varying states of crisis. Uh, Leon lost again at Gamgomp, uh, despite a reprieve in midweek. Uh, while Marseille have lost two in a row away to Metz and Nantes. Uh, starting with OL Eric, um, what happened at the weekend that undid that good work they pulled up against Nancy? Poor defending. Uh, I think that's really what it comes down to. I think, to be quite blunt, I think that Diakabi looked off the pace. I think the team rushed him back. I think that, you know, I mean, obviously, their, obviously their hand was forced, but Jale looked off the boil too. I mean, Rafael is injured. You know, I, I have a lot of time for Christophe Jale, but I think playing two matches in short succession uh, after, uh, particularly after having uh, having come back from missing most of the season with injury, I uh, you know, that, that undid him. And, and I think, yeah, it was just a, t- a tough week for the you know, defensively. Again, having to travel to, to, to Gangamp to play this early Saturday match is, 
know, these early Saturday matches have been uh, horrible for, for Leon. I think this is their 10th loss in the league this season, and seven of them have been in matches played at 5 o'clock, uh, which is kind of a mind-boggling statistic. Uh, so, yeah, just a, a poor defensive effort. I, I think that, you know, Nico Benizé, I mean, making his first start of the season with a goal and assist, you know, he's a dangerous player, but I don't think that there was enough, uh, you know, credence given to, the, to how how, uh, but how how he could potentially affect a match. And I think that Leon were just asleep at the wheel. They got that early goal, which was, which was well taken and, uh, and well worked. But uh, I think that, you know, they, they sat back too much and there wasn't the same aggression and impression going forward. And Gengar just picked them up on the, on the counter, easy as you like, and... It's uh, it's a frustrating situation for for this team who, you know, keep flitting in and out of seeming solidity as regards their defense, their defensive abilities. Yeah, I must I must say I was really really frustrated watching watching the goals especially uh, get, uh, from Gangump. I mean that their equalizer is a, a counter attack which. Yes, it can catch teams by surprise, but you just when you watch it back, you catch the players jogging back instead of sprinting. There's Gonalon, there's Yang and Biwa. They're they're both jogging back and leaving Morel absolutely alone to try and fend off three players when it gets the ball gets into the box. And the the second is is Jale just absolutely falling asleep on Benazé. I, I can't believe a right back of his quality and his experience. And he, I think he shows it in his own face when he realises the goal goes in. His hands go straight to his head. I can't believe that he's allowed a player to get in front of him at that angle. It's criminal, I think, for a team of that. And they can't have that happening in that. I think, well, I'm pretty certain, in fact, that's probably killed their Champions League hopes for this, this season. I cannot imagine them getting into that third spot. And, Philip, well, I, I, I didn't think they they were. I thought, I thought the, <laughs> that last week was uh, was the moment they were they were their hopes were uh, dead basically. So I don't yeah, think this this defeat this defeat changes much. Um, well, I think is um, there were some kind of uh, excuses um, last week at Saint Etienne with Maman not playing that often, but uh, usually Younger and and Jacobi didn't form that bad a central. Uh, centre by pairing, but they, they they did lose against a good Gangon side. Um, but still, yeah, it's uh, it just uh, it just yeah it just confirmed that you won't be playing in the Champions League in uh, in seventeen eighteen, which is which is a shame for for the club for for French football in general. Um, see, let's see how how Nice will be doing in the group stage. You say if they get there, um, it's um, it's it's a whole yeah it's a whole uh, we rebu- rebuilding process. Um, I suppose you were going to ask me about Lacazette, Nathan. Hey, go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, um, ultras have short memories, and um, yeah, I feel I feel a bit bad for the guy. Like I said last week, at the time he is not very good, and uh, well, he's still he's still scoring uh, he's still scoring the goals. But what happened on the, on Wednesday is a bit um, is it, is a bit ridiculous, really. Uh, him him being uh, being booed for for his comments and. I think the fans were just were just absolutely uh, horrified at the manner of, of defeat. I mean, you have lost that Jouf Hagishar before. It's uh, not something. It's not something new. What is new is that they've lost so often uh, in in a row. I think it was three in a row for the first time since the 80s, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and uh, and also the manner of defeat. That's uh, that's what they. That's what they. Um, uh, uh, that's that's what they remember. They also they also remember Lacazette having this uh, this quote just before Derby uh, in early February, um, and basically saying, "Okay, guys, um, uh, have fun in the Europa League. I'm off." 
Yeah. <laughs> and basically I, his message and it didn't it probably didn't go down too well. No, I mean we, we 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 are not talking about that game in the Europa League actually. I mean we talked about Saint Etienne Manchester United, but there is another French team playing on Thursday. And uh, I don't know, the media don't really seem to seem to be noticing that you're actually going to Holland on Thursday. And Eric, what do you think that game against RZ? Is is this something they should be trying to maybe push for now with Champions League pretty much completely out of the question in Liga? I mean, I what you're saying right there, Nathan, I, I couldn't uh, agree with that more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Leon on their day can be dangerous. I mean, they showed that against Monaco early in the season. They showed that a handful of times last season as well. Uh, they can perform. If, if, if everything falls exactly right, they can perform. Again, you know, this, this Europa League is, has some strong teams in it. I don't think we should take anything for granted, but the time being, you got a very winnable tie, and who knows? You avoid big teams in the draw, and you get, you know, you get to a surprising, a surprising point in the league. We've seen that, you know, in the past with teams in the Champions League and in the Europa League. I mean, we think about Schalke reaching the semifinals a few years ago, Leon reaching the semifinals a few years ago. You know, strange things can happen in knockout football. That's the Champions League, but I, mean, I think the same thing goes. Uh, you know. Leon are I would doubt that they would fall out of the top six uh, with that especially with that game in hand uh, given how inconsistent um, everybody below them has been but uh, you know it, unless unless the club's hierarchy in Genesio feel that Leon are in danger of losing European competition full stop next season I think they should absolutely go all, all hands in or all hands on deck all whatever whatever the expression would be. Uh, with the Europa League, absolutely. Mm, it's an interesting one. It's, it's, and it's always that interesting caveat of that Champions League place now as well with the Europa League. But another t- team that's struggling, and that's Marseille, they, they were maybe slightly harshly done by at Mets, where they really should have probably put that one away before Jan Jufre, um ended their hopes. And then not really, absolutely ploughed them I think in that one they were really really good especially in that first half Philip what was your what was your take on it Marseille is sort of they, there was a lot of optimism after all the money and, and uh, Dimitri Payet coming in but there's clearly still a lot of work to be done isn't there I think um, um, we're not giving not enough credit for that first half mm-hmm. performance, and especially Sergio Conceição uh, for being uh, well, who who he is, for being a very, a very much a motivator and being uh, yes, uh, not a, a very demanding, a very demanding manager, and uh, not playing uh, out of their skins with a very very high pressing with uh, Stepinski doing some absolutely fantastic stuff uh, on the, on that second goal. Um, and um, and yes, uh, Rudy Garcia really went into his players, and, and yes, Marseille weren't weren't very good, but not were just uh, were just just very very good. And uh, and Garcia changing two players in 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 the um, after just thirty minutes is is really quite unheard of. I mean, you do that when uh, one of your players is injured, um, but uh, it really just just goes to show that Garcia thought that the players were just absolutely absolutely awful. And uh, you know, the subs kind of kind of work. Even though, you know, you don't uh, you don't make that uh, that defense better just by making two substitutions. Um, I don't know if Ivra was playing that much for Juventus um, during the latest the latest stage of his uh, uh, of his career in uh, in Italy, 
but uh, I'm I'm pretty sure he was he wasn't expecting that kind of uh, that kind of a uh, attacking attacking nous when he when he signed for for Marseille. I think he 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 knew he knew Ligue 1. He he played at Monaco. That's where uh, that's where he played his uh, his first games. That's how he got his big money move to Manchester United and. Uh, uh, the rest, the rest is history, uh, and I really do believe that he thought that okay, this league is quite defensive. I'll, uh, I'll have a couple of few, uh, a few seasons, uh, not uh, not too stressful, not too hard, uh, certainly not as hard as uh, as the Premiership, not as demanding. Uh, but uh, you know, guess what? Liga is uh, much better this season than it is on, on other seasons, and not thanks to their new manager are are attacking, free flowing football and all that. And uh, yeah, Eva has um, has struggled, has struggled a lot. But yeah, I mean, it, it is it is to me uh, more down, more down to 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 not and uh, and Mets also for for not uh, for not pulling over because because Marseille are coming to town. I mean, Gagon didn't do anything on Wednesday. They honestly they they, they didn't they just didn't show up, and maybe Marseille were expecting not to do the same on um, on Sunday evening, but you know, they didn't because uh, if they if they didn't win that game, they'd be in trouble. Mm, and Eric, I do want to focus a little bit on not. I know Marseille have had a, a difficult week of the of two tough results, but they were absolutely excellent in that first half, and and better than certainly from what I've seen in the, after this winter break. They really lifted to the occasion, didn't they? Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't. I was not able to see this particular match, but yeah, I mean, Conceição has this team playing with a huge amount of confidence. He's he's. Given more time to Valentin Rangier, who really appears to be, have, come, have come back from his injury, all guns blazing. Uh, he's given more time for Adrian Thomason. I know he's a player you yourself have mentioned on occasion, Nathan, is, is being a really impressive, creative player. And I mean, Harit uh, obviously was suspended for this match, but I think he's been a, a, a really key player as well, as well in the survival. I mean, being made a focal point at a young age, I think has really boosted his confidence. Uh, there's still some issues with the strikers. I still and I still think that uh, going forward, Lima and and Dubois can be a little bit more forward thinking. They can defensively solid, uh, but there's a makings of a decent team here. I'm not saying one that will challenge for Europe, but one that I'm saying should comfortably avoid relegation. They're certainly a lot more pleasing to watch than they were under Girard or or even Der Zakarian. Um And it, it's it's been an impressive um, it's been an impressive. You know, start to start to the Portuguese his tenure. He's given chances to these young players who've been sort of ballyhooed, but perhaps haven't had the best run out of them. I don't think Jerzy Kari gave a lot of these players as much of a chance as he might have liked. Uh, but and and the same with Girard. But yeah, I think Conceição has has the right attitude. I think that uh, you know, it, I think it remains to be seen how some of these transfers will shake out and what will happen to the club as regards these these this third party ownership scheme that they've been linked with. But uh, yeah, I think a really, really positive start tonight. I, I, I've always had a soft spot for Nantes. I think that you know the crowd there. Every time you, you see the Beaujolais on television, it's it's you know it's it's well full and and they have great tifos and great support. Um, and that's the kind of thing you want to see. That's the kind of thing that you want to see represented when you see uh, a league on matches being televised. And and it's there. And they have a great tradition too with their academy and all the titles they won uh, in their past as well. And so I think there's just, just a lot to be said for not playing well and for Conceição getting the best out of this youngish team. Yeah, Beaujolais was excellent last night. And, and I just want to chip in with where they really excelled in this game. And that was partially tactically, but the players were excellent as well. I think the 4-4-2 worked superbly against Marseille and really exploited their weakness, which is their centre-back pairing. Um, they looked at all ends 
they looked like they couldn't handle them for most of the nights. Topinski showed the talent that maybe that we've seen glimpses of on occasions. He scored an excellent second goal as well. It's an absolute wonderful goal. Um, Salah was working superbly hard, which, you know, we seen him come in and out of games. It was really great in this one. The midfield pairing of Rangier and, and the experience of Gilet was really, really superb. They worked exceptionally hard. Rangier had to be almost dragged off the pitch by the end of the game. He was absolutely shattered. I thought Pardo on one wing and, and Thomason on the other one were excellent. The fullbacks were great coming back and forward. The centre-back pairing was was solid and really wasn't troubled until that second half where uh, Gomi started to have an impact before he got injured. And, I'd, and I just want to very quickly mention that, Philip, with no real options on the bench for Marseille as well, how big is that loss for Gomi's possibly for a month, possibly missing Le Classique as well in a couple of weeks? It's a big miss for them, isn't it? It's very good news for Paris Saint-Germain fans. Um, and uh, no, very, very bad news for, for Marseille in general. I don't, I don't really see who, who uh, Garcia can... Um, uh, can place who replace him. It's not just it's not just uh, the the number. Um, I've seen some very good stats from uh, from Gumis uh, saying that uh, he has scored as many goals as um, as his best ever season in Liga, and uh, there's still um, a quarter of the season to go. Well, uh, a bit less for him now. It's uh, three to six with his uh, his injury forecast, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, three to six weeks is what we've seen. I, I mean, uh, I, it was always it was always a, a case of him being um it's good that he's here because he knows how to score yeah how to get goals uh in Liga. um if you if you give if you feed him he'll he'll score i mean 16 goals from 24 games you know it's not uh, it's not cavani good but it's uh, you know it's it's decent and uh, without him it's um yeah it's a massive blow it means that um tuva has to has to step up and uh, and be becomes basically the uh, the goal getter Okay, they've got uh, Aaron Lea and Anton Rabiel, but uh, just yeah, it's just not uh, not on, on a par with uh, with Gunis. But it just you know, it just goes to show that Marseille do need at least two strikers to to mount uh, a European challenge. And to be honest, this may be blessing in disguise for France's coefficient because Marseille, I'm, I'm not quite sure Marseille would be ready to do that just just yet. And uh, right now, without Gunis, I mean, I don't think they'll be going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, and, and just to punctuate Gomis's impact, you've mentioned his league stats, but he scored as many goals this season as he did in his entire two-year stay at Swansea as well, which uh, puts a little bit of an exclamation mark on how well he's playing at the moment, and maybe uh, how that, little little of a chance he was uh, he was been given. Yeah, yeah, true. He had a, he had a brief spell where people yeah. fell in love with him for about three months, as they tend to do in the Premier League. But, but that's <laughs> yeah, uh, that's all that we have time for this week. My thanks to Eric and Philip. Uh, join us for the preview show hosted by Eric on Thursday, and we will see you here at the same time, same place next week. Abianto and goodbye.